the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome back, everybody, to the That's Good From You podcast. It is so good to have you with us. It is. We are excited to be back. It's been a little while, but we are raring to go for episode 13. But before we get into it, yes. maybe we should give you a life update on why it has taken us so long. Oh, that's true. To get to this point. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many factors. Me, Sophie, I've been really sick. You might hear it in my voice. I might cough as we're talking. But more importantly, and much more excitingly, oh. Emma just finished her Bachelor of Ministry. Woo! insert crowd applaud here (laughs) i may actually find some applause to insert there it's been really exciting emma submitted her final assessment got to present to a group of people on where she feels like god's calling her and and wept throughout my entire presentation and really just that whole week yeah yeah it was a big weep sesh i tell Mm. you Um, Yeah, yeah, big things have been happening, but we are excited to be back. Mm, We um, really are. Sharing some more content with you guys. Yeah. But we know that, you know, the podcast doesn't really happen at the expense of our well-being. Yes. And we know that we prioritise the things in our life that need to be prioritised. And Mm. uh, this is just a great fun thing that we do when we feel like we are up to it. Yeah. (laughs) So we we made a pretty intentional decision early on that we would never record the podcast at the expense of our like physical, emotional, spiritual psychological well-being <laughs> yep. and sometimes we've pushed it a <laughs> yeah, little bit like, mm, interesting but for the most part we will text each other and be like hey hey going just do you want to record this sunday or this saturday or whatever day it is and if one of us is like yeah nah it's been a really big week we go okay yeah that's fine let's Actually, find another day crazy so, that because we're yeah. not here to just like be machines and produce content because yep. that is not what we're for yeah and so some of you possibly are more used to churches and volunteering and those sorts Mm. of things that go like just push your hardest particularly around this kind of the year like you're a machine you are a volunteer on a roster I'm just not about that no no so not about just getting it done for the sake of uh, content or production Mm. not at all but we thought we would wrap up this year this is gonna be our Mm. final episode for uh, this year 2022 (laughs) we thought we would unpack what we mean when we say live in the tension and wrestle Mm. and make space for doubt we say this almost at the end of every episode I reckon Uh, we say like keep living in the tension keep you know questioning things keep wrestling with things and we really wanted to unpack what we mean when we say this because we've discovered by looking back at episodes that we say this quite often and we know what we mean when we say it but we're thinking oh maybe other people don't quite understand the level of depth that really comes behind Mm. these words when we say it Um, so we thought today we'd be unpacking a bit more of those terms and that language yeah so when we started the podcast which like it wasn't a joke but we didn't really know (laughs) what it was going to become or where we were going. We didn't really have a plan, no. is what I'm, but we did for a couple of weeks there, we were back and forth texting quite a bit on what we thought if we were going to start a podcast that was going to happen long-term, mm. what would be the purpose? Like, mm. why would we, why would we start another podcast to put out yeah, into the world? more stuff yes. for people to listen to. Yeah. And this is what we came up with. And some of this is going to sound really familiar to you from our intro music, but this is what we've come up with our, as a, our purpose or our bio. We wrote the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. 
join us. And we really did want it to be an invitation Mm. for you to join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. This is is the part that might not sound so familiar to you. You are invited to learn and unlearn, question and doubt, ponder and wrestle as we explore different ways of seeing Jesus at work in the world. And that is the invitation from us to you to come on a journey with us of learning some stuff and maybe unlearning some stuff of working out what questions and doubts that you might have of pondering and wrestling with things as we keep our eyes focused on the way Jesus is at Mm. work in the world. It doesn't mean that there won't be questions and doubts amongst all of that. That's it. And this is really why we started. Yeah. Um, This was our starting point. Um, But maybe you can unpack for us a bit more so why we really started Mm. a podcast with the um, intention of inviting people to doubt and wrestle Mm. and live in this tension. Why was that our starting point? Yeah, it it seems like an odd place to start, Mm. but I've just seen so many people in a place of wrestling and doubting and not being sure what to do with the different tensions in faith. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it makes sense as a starting point. And I think both of us have come to this realization that doubt and wrestling with big questions actually builds or grows a robust and dynamic faith. Mm -hmm. Um, but that isn't an easy realization to come to because if you've ever been through any wrestling or doubt or tension, you know that it's hard and often it's really (laughs) uncomfortable and a bit, just a bit icky. Um, and I think we're not the only ones who feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I can say that is we actually put a poll up on Instagram in our stories a few weeks back and we asked the question, how many of you have experienced like a season of questioning or doubting in your faith? And 90% of you responded by saying yes, that you'd experience something like that. Mm. That's really significant. Now, the 10% of you that haven't, amazing. And we would love to understand how and why that happens. But 90% of you said that you've experienced at least one season of questioning or doubting your faith. Yeah, this is true. And I mean, I personally know that this is true, at least in my life. And a bit later on in this episode, I'm going to be unpacking and sharing part of my story about how I walked through a really quite a long season Mm. of wrestling and doubting everything I knew to be true. So like faith, beliefs, theology, church, Jesus, myself, you name it. I reckon I went through about everything during that time, but it was during this time of my life where I didn't really have or really believe anything at this point that cultivated in me this new and robust and dynamic faith, Mm. a faith that, um, yeah, was really new. Like it, Mm. before I started doubting and questioning things and actually embracing confusion, I, I look back and I think, damn, I think my faith was quite boring. (laughs) Like there is just something Mm. really new that has come about through these seasons of wrestling Mm. and doubting and actually being okay to question what is this all about. And so Mm. today we thought we'd start off by talking about um, some of the language that's used to articulate these seasons of questioning or these seasons of confusion and doubt. Um, Yeah. So the first framework or term that you may have heard used is this idea of deconstruction. So we're going to talk about deconstruction for a moment because it's become a buzzword in some parts of the church. And so if you hear me say deconstruction, don't um, turn off the potty, don't turn off the podcast, (laughs) don't check out on us just yet. Um, You may be having a strong reaction to that word. A lot of people hate this word and what it has come to mean. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, though, other people love it and own it as part of their story. So there can be extreme reactions to this on both sides. 
Um, but particularly in certain parts of the church in the United States, mm. deconstruction has become this dirty word that's used to talk about people who walk away from faith entirely or even some Christians like they use it to describe Christians who they think have become super left-wing politically. Right, yeah. And yeah. I don't think that's particularly helpful. And what's annoying, and this always happens, is Classic that America. Yeah, <laughs> Australia tends to take on the church vocab of the United States, yeah. even though we are wildly different contexts with different culture. Uh-huh. It's just really not helpful for us to do that. Um, and it's not actually what the term deconstruction means. Yeah. So I would say a better, maybe a better term for people who have walked away from their faith would be deconversion. But I don't like I have a bit of a reaction to that word, too. I don't really like it, but it's not deconstruction. So deconstruction is a term used in philosophy in um, like academic philosophical circles. And it's used to talk about breaking something down to understand its parts um, in order to understand the greater meaning Mm -hmm. and maybe even to reveal inadequacies. And so what we mean when we use the term deconstruction in relation to faith is the process of pulling apart or breaking down and questioning what has been previously constructed. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Now, I know that there's a great analogy that we were talking mm. about earlier on. Yeah. Tell us. So House analogy. We've got kind of Mary who was on the previous oh, episode to thank Mary for this. Ackers. Yes, Shout Mary. out again. But also another podcast I've been listening to, if you want to listen to a podcast um, a little bit more about deconstruction, there's an amazing New Zealand-based podcast called In the Shift. I might link to it at the end of this. And they use a house analogy as well. So drawing on both what Mary has previously shared with mm-hmm. us and also um, what this other podcast. And the, the idea is that if you think about your faith as a house um, mm-hmm. or as a building, a structure, you have something that is constructed. There mm-hmm. are hopefully a foundation and walls and a, and a roof. <laughs> and the idea of deconstruction And the reason that the house analogy is so helpful, this idea of deconstruction is that everyone's going to go through it differently. There's no one way to deconstruct your faith. And so for some people, Uh it may need to go all the way down to the foundations. There may be a foundation problem in the house and that the foundations need to be ripped up and relayed and then the house rebuilt. Other people, though, it might be that they want to put an extension on. And so some walls need to get knocked out in Uh order for it to grow. Other people might just need to move the furniture, furniture all around. That's right. Yeah. Or like, nah, I don't like that old couch. I'm going to get a new one. Yeah. And so the reason that the house analogy is really helpful is everybody's going to go through this process to either a greater or lesser extent. There's no right or wrong yeah, way right. to have questions and doubts about faith. Different. What I would say though um, is, and maybe we'll get to this a little bit later, Emma, probably what you experienced was more of a uh, <laughs> ripping up the foundations <laughs> and uh, relaying those. I was left with nothing but dirt. Yeah. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But in my mind, that is the process of deconstruction. If you think about the Mm. word deconstruction, there is something that was constructed Mm -hmm. and then something that needs to be unconstructed or deconstructed with the goal of reconstruction. And we're not going to talk about that necessarily in this podcast today. We will talk about it in a podcast down the track. But that's the idea of deconstruction, that there is something that maybe isn't quite working. Maybe the foundations aren't working. Maybe we need an extension. Maybe the walls need replacing for some Uh reason. And we're going to bring them down in order to Mm -hmm. restore them. That's right. And so if we want to kind of unpack a bit more of uh, or a few more frameworks around this language of, you know, seasons of doubt and questioning, Um, another term we might use is disorientation. And disorientation was a word that I actually found quite helpful when I am mm. considering my journey over the past few years. And it really captures this image of, say, being in the wilderness. So mm. you're once orientated, you kind of head in knowing sure of your direction, mm. you know where you were, you know where you're headed, you're kind of familiar uh, with what you've always believed and where you are, your environment, your surroundings. And then 
you're in this wilderness and crisis hits, right? Mm. So there's this uncertainty, this threatening heat in this wilderness that unravels you mm. and you're left entirely disorientated, unsure where you are, what to do, where to go, where you've come from and where you want to be going. This place that you were once in is now not the place that you are now in. And so even the terms like unraveling or undoing or unlearning mm. are quite helpful in that they point to this idea that what was once a reality or a belief or a learning is now becoming undone. Like yeah. things are shifting now. There's this way that you've always lived and functioned and believed. It's falling mm. apart and that's actually making way for a new world mm. and new beliefs and new understandings to be revealed. Yeah. Mm. And in order to do this deconstruction or this disorientation or this unraveling, whatever you want to call it, in mm. order to do this, there has to be something there to deconstruct or unravel in the first place. Yes. Yep. And what we're not saying, and I, I want to make this really clear, we're not saying that the house that's there or the structure that's there is bad in and mm -hmm. of itself. Yep. I don't know about for you, but the faith construction that I had growing up wasn't a bad thing. Yep. I'm actually really thankful for it. It got me through so many different and difficult life seasons but the thing is, at some point, I outgrew it. At some mm. point, there wasn't enough substance to what I'd been taught to hold the big questions that I had about life and faith. That's right. And it makes sense because we learn and we grow in our faith in stages. Mm -hmm. We don't learn everything there is to know about God in one go. We start with where we're at when we first learn about him. Because we actually can't expect what was taught to us and what worked for us as, say, a three-year-old or a 14-year-old to still work for us into our young adult or our adult life. Mm -hmm. So the language and the concepts we were taught as children yep. actually become insufficient for adult life. Yep. The key thing is they weren't bad or at least no. in our experience they weren't. No, that's right. Um, for did, some people it might have been. Yeah, they did what they needed to do yeah. during that time. Yeah. In Sunday school you're not going to like yeah. learn about the Calvinism and Arminianism yeah, and the exactly. debate in that. Like that's yes. just not. Yeah. As a three-year-old you learn that God loves you and to trust him. You don't yeah. necessarily have to know about you know, God being sovereign versus people having free will. But at some point in our formation, in our growth in spiritual maturity, these questions begin to arise and we actually need to unlearn some things or learn some new things because we're not necessarily unlearning that God is good and no. that he loves us. Or in some cases. <laughs> yeah, or in some cases we, we are and we'll, we'll get to that. But so we're not unlearning maybe some of the, the true things about who God is, but they're they're nuanced or they become they yeah. need to become nuanced because they're insufficient to answer the questions right. that we have or in order to learn new things yes. some other things have to be unlearned yes. right to make room for 100%. the new hundred percent yeah it's so true like even if you think about an example when it comes to life or the bible like i just think about when i was younger i was taught to believe that the bible was kind of a rule book for yeah. life that that is what the bible is and to be honest it served me quite well even throughout school like i think mm. about Oh, the relationship issues I had or the, I don't know, just random stuff. And I would go to the Bible and I'd like find an answer in Proverbs in a one-liner and I'd be yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It was just mm. like it fixed my issues and it was the like one-worded mm. answers, all that I needed back then. But even now, like over the last couple of years, relearning, I had to unlearn some of those ways mm. of thinking and now learning that perhaps the Bible is more about a narrative and the story of God yeah. and the way that he relates to his people. Like seeing um, that the Bible as a rule book was actually quite sufficient for a time because mm. it served me brilliantly throughout mm. my high school years. But as I've come out of school and as I'm forming into a new person, I'm discovering that maybe the Bible is more than that. Mm. Like there's more to it. And so that's yeah. just an example for, you know, some things that perhaps we're taught as younger people mm. and ways that we uh, are growing and need to be learning new things 
so that we can have a richer picture of God, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point. Mm. And so one of the best analogies that I have for this or the best ways I have for understanding this for myself is the idea of getting new prescription glasses. Now, both Emma and I wear glasses, so this this yes, one works sir. for us. So the thing is the old glasses, the old prescription actually serve you really well for a time. They help you see. Yeah. But they sometimes get to a point where they no longer help you see the world around you. And the thing is, whenever I get a new prescription, I feel nauseous and off kilter for a few weeks while my eyes adjust to it. It happens every time. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I actually know that I'm better off with the new prescription that best suits my eyes, even if it's really uncomfortable getting used to them. Interesting. The reason I put the new glasses on and I struggle through the discomfort of feeling sick for a couple of weeks is because it's actually more uncomfortable without them. Mm. Uh, And I actually think this is similar to our theological lenses or our way of seeing and viewing God. Mm -hmm. We all have a particular set of beliefs or views about the way we see God and faith and the Bible. And it can get very uncomfortable when someone someone starts questioning the lenses or our way of seeing things and we go, oh, the lenses that I've had, the way I've viewed God doesn't actually allow space for me to have an answer to that question. But the thing is, the old lenses were really good for a season. They They were were so good. They're not bad. But suddenly they're not helping me see so clearly anymore. And so for some people, the transition to new lenses might happen really smoothly. You might put the new glasses on and it's instantly just really good. It's clicking, right? Yeah. But for a lot of us, perhaps even 90% of us, that process is disorienting and a bit gross. Yeah, it hurts and it's confusing and it's unfamiliar. Yeah, it's really Really, uncomfortable. Yeah, really unsettling. I would say, though, that if we can be humble enough to, to I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah. I don't know everything there is to know about God. Oh, wait, what? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> People often come to me and they're like, what about this? What about this? And I'm like, guys, I don't have answers for everything, um, even if sometimes it sounds like I do. Yeah, she human, guys. <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm a real human. <laughs> and I want to be humble enough to say that I don't know everything there is to know about God, even if I know some good things about who he is. Mm. And if I recognize and have the humility to ha- to recognize that, then I'll recognize that there are moments where I'm going to change my thinking. Yeah. Because I don't know everything that is to know about God. Of course, that's right. And not being locked in or prideful yeah. enough to say this is just how it is yeah. and I'm secure in this yep. certain belief, right? And that change, that process of growing or unlearning or learning new things isn't always easy. No, that's Sometimes it. Sometimes <laughs> it really sucks. And uh, that's a perfect segue into me asking this question. Emma's sitting there laughing already. Um, Emma, it wasn't, it's probably an understatement to say that it wasn't an easy process for you. <laughs> yeah. Am I crying or laughing? I don't know. <laughs> If you're willing to be vulnerable, can you unpack some of the story of your recent doubt and wrestle? Oh, okay, buckle up, mm. young people <laughs> and old people and all the people. <laughs> no, okay, um, that is an absolutely huge question because this time of my life lasted a really long time, mm. like months to honestly, like I want to say years. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, there were some pretty intense months, mm. but – yeah, there was probably a couple of years there where it really began. So I walked through a season of what you want to call deconstruction or disorientation or unraveling <laughs> or whatever. Um, and what I believe launched me into this season of, you know, <laughs> turmoil <laughs> was a combination of a few things. So um, at the start of this, I was very familiar with my church context and church mm. tradition and everything was safe and comfortable. And like I said, it was almost a boring faith. I was just like, yeah, I know the answers to all these questions mm. and it's just easy and it's settled and I'm good. Mm. But um, I ventured into 
different denominations and Mm. so shifting denominations new church cultures and I began questioning a few more things so Mm. like trying to discern that everything I'd ever been taught and everything I'd ever believed in my childhood church tradition like was this actually true Mm. what does this new church uh, denomination mean like where's the weight where's the truth all that kind of stuff Mm. so this was kind of a subtle entry into some of these questions and that's massive on its own like if that's all you were going through that's a pretty big thing to be wrestling with. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, these denominations are like far polar opposite Mm. ends too. So it's like a crazy transition. Yeah. And then I think about um, during this time as well, like I had some pretty hardcore mental health Mm. issues going on as well, which naturally has um, some symptoms of confusion and dysfunction. That's just kind of what happens. I was in crisis mode for a fair while with anxiety and depression. And so naturally um, what comes with that is a lot of confusion Mm. and a lot of yeah, well, anxiety around mm. what's true and what's not mm. true. And then on top of what launched <laughs> me into this disorientation season was simply that I'm a young person and mm. I'm in my formational years of figuring out who I am and yes. who God is and what's true and what's important. And so being in these pivotal formational years, I think, was honestly the greatest thing in which launched me into this mm. because I'm like, well, what's true? What's the meaning mm. of life? What's the purpose of anything? And yeah. so I was in this space of naturally asking these questions. So not long after I experienced what was, you know, months and months of this disorientation, I ended up journaling down the best way I could describe what this time in my life really was. And I wrote down this, I said, this process of disorientation was an agonizing, Mm. existential and spiritual crisis, a gut-wrenching, hip-breaking wrestle with doubt, God and everything Mm. that mattered. Wow. And it was so true, literally Mm. everything in my life that mattered. And what happened was that I was trying to reconcile the God that I had known my entire life, all my beliefs, all my theology, everything Mm. I had known that was familiar. I was reconciling that with the God I was now meeting, with the new beliefs I was coming up Mm. against. And what happened was it actually forced me to reconsider everything. (laughs) So my beliefs, my values, my upbringing, my theology, my church, myself, all I knew to be true about God. And so everything, literally everything I had always been sure of was up for grabs. And so this ended up leaving me in a pretty dark <laughs> yeah. place. And you saw a lot of that, Sophie. And yeah. I, I liken um, it to what John of the Cross considers the dark night of the soul. And maybe you've heard this term before, but this major figure in church history, John of the Cross, he says that the dark night of the soul is this certain point in the Christian journey where we are given dry times and inward darkness for the sake of becoming mm. more intimate with God. And this time of my life, this inward darkness and dryness was literally months and months of sitting in this mm. space. I had nothing on my list of what yeah. I knew to be true about God. And so over what I would say started like for years, it mm. started in years and it was, you know, gradual and subtle questioning, mm. doubting some things. But there were these few intense months where I literally got to the point where God was not real mm. for me at all. And I remember... <laughs> thinking about it the other day I was literally standing in Sophie's backyard and she was the first person to hear it out of my mouth Mm. um after weeks of wrestling with this by myself thinking I don't think this is it I remember articulating to Sophie looking her in the face and being like God's not real Mm. like I actually think this is a load of crap Christianity is a complete lie Mm. God does not exist Mm. and then from that point it was weeks Mm. of sitting in this space Mm. um and then slowly things would be added to my list of what I knew to be true about God. And it took months Mm. until something else was added to my list of um, even like getting out of the God's not real months before it was, okay, I think God's real, but the kind of God I think 
is real is a God I don't even want to believe in. Yeah. So what do I do with that? And so, Sophie, you kind of had a front row seat <laughs> mm. into my life at that point when yep. it all hit the fan. Um, mm. Can you tell me maybe what you saw from <laughs> the outside of my mm. life at that point? Because it was a pure mess from my point. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty messy from where I sat <laughs> as well, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, it was really hard to watch, but I think um, why people might think it was hard and why it was actually hard are probably two different things. I think it was Mm. more hard for me than anything watching you go through a mental health struggle, having to reckon with anxiety and depression Mm. and what comes with those things. Um, What might sound crazy to everybody, considering Emma just said she didn't believe God was real, is I actually wasn't worried about your faith journey. Um, (laughs) And it's hard to articulate why. I think because I take a long view on this stuff that a season of serious doubt of even getting to the point where you don't believe that God exists for a time doesn't actually define your faith. It's all part of the faith process. Mm. And one of the things that I witnessed about you in that time was that you you had good people around you. So you didn't disconnect yourself from um, the like key Christian mentors in your life and you mm-hmm. were still asking them really good questions. Um, so I wasn't going to, I wasn't stressed for you. Um, I, I didn't want to be the person who sat there and said like, well, just pray harder or like Oof. read your Bible more. The goal for me in journeying this with you was to be a safe space to let you wrestle and a safe space where you could come to me and say, I don't believe in God and not be met with judgment or all mm. the easy Christian answers. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so I, I would still happily point you to Jesus. And we, we talk about this, like I, you were, you were standing outside and you're like, I don't believe in God. And, um, I like pulled, I don't know why this is a God yeah, moment, pulled Psalm was, 88 yeah. up on my phone and, and read that to you. And it was, you know, about being in the pit of despair. Mm. And so it's not like I wasn't interested in pointing you to Jesus, but I'm not interested in giving you the easy answers or judging you for that experience, mm. but being a safe space and somewhere to journey with you. That's right. Isn't it? And that's the thing in which helped, I think the most was this permission to, doubt and to Mm. wrestle and there was no condemnation in that Mm. in fact there was there was almost more than permission there was like encouragement to Mm. stay in this space and it wasn't only from you so but I remember Mm. a mentor um in Brisbane I remember one week where I was like yeah God's not real and I have to go to church and rada 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 and he was like well there's no need to go to church I Mm. wonder how Holy Spirit is using your apathy towards certain things um to actually Mm. draw you closer Mm. um to what he's actually on about and so I remember not doing the Christian things and it sounds quite crazy and maybe mm. this is going to be controversial and if someone cut this out of context, <laughs> it would be incredibly bad. My mentor told me to stop reading the Bible. Yeah. It was just like if that is what it's going to take um, for you to feel like it's okay mm. to be in this space mm. and to not be forced out of it or to have the quick Christian answer, then stop reading your Bible. Mm. Stop doing all these Christian things which you are finding the most difficult to do right now. Mm. Just stop it and just maybe that will launch you into the Mm. grace of God all the more. And that's exactly what it did. It was Mm. the best thing for me that I had permission to be confused and to doubt and to wrestle, to not fall into these classic Christian traps Mm. and to be free to trust that I was in the lap of God's grace Mm. and I was seated in the lap of God's grace and that Mm. was enough for me Mm. during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so – that like that one mentor particularly like said some really really helpful stuff for you in that time was there anything else that was helpful for you during this season like what were the things that you would say not even helpful for you moving out of it but what was Mm. helpful for you in it in it yeah I mean having we've already used this word like having the permission from Mm. people to just doubt 
and not have answers and not mm. try and find the answers quickly. But I think along with that comes not being pressured to have like a time limit yeah. on this season, like a, oh, it's okay to be in a pit of, you know, despair for a couple of days, but <laughs> Emma, you better get your act together after mm. that. Like I had none of that, mm. but uh, from the people in which I trusted most, but mm. from the people in which I heard that from, it was like, it made it a whole lot harder. Yeah. Hearing people say, okay, it's time to get out of your pit. Like the woe is me is over. Like, come mm. on, time to get over it. Time to read your Bible. Time to get on up with it because God's got you. I was just like, leave me alone. Yeah. Like, screw this. I'm not on about this. Yeah. And so not having a time limit for getting out of this season mm. is the goal and having permission to actually just be okay with where you're at. Mm. It was actually only a, um, a maybe a couple months ago, I went um, and saw a lady and we had a conversation about just, you know, prayer and healing and all this kind of stuff. And I was just struggling with a few Jesus things. And she said to me, Emma, it's okay that you're running away from God right now. God's not offended mm. because you see him a certain way. Mm. God understands that you're running away from him because you have a certain view of who he is. Mm. He gets that and he's a gentleman, mm. so he's not going to force mm. you to mm. come after him. He's perfectly fine with you being far away right now. Mm. And I was like, what? I was like, that doesn't seem like the Christian answer, does it? Yeah. Like it's okay to be far away. It's okay to not be intimate with God. But having that said to me and spoken mm. over me was the thing in which launched me back into God's presence yeah. because I realized with all of my heart that actually God is not going to force me to jump into his presence or to mm. like come back to him. I'm just like, no, God is such a gentleman mm. or God is such a kind and gracious father that he would allow me to come back to him mm. in my own timing and that that in and of itself would be the marker of his safety. Mm. So I think having permission to be far away from him is actually okay. And actually mm. in befriending doubt and in befriending this confusion and in befriending being far away is when we find ourselves in deepest fellowship with Christ, yeah. that Christ Jesus himself asked the father, like, why have you forsaken me? Oh God, mm. that he himself doubted when he was on the cross. And so mm. what does it look like for us to be caught up into the whole work of Christ, the healing mm. and the saving work of Christ when we are in our doubt, mm. that just maybe our doubt and our confusion and our, uh, wrestling is a doorway into being in closest communion with mm. Christ Jesus. Yeah. So really hope that as you have been listening to Emma's story, that you see that the doubt and the wrestling and the deconstruction and the unraveling are not bad things. They might be scary. They might be hard, but actually what I'm hearing mm. from you is that it's actually eventually and not the point, but eventually uh -huh. led you into back into fellowship with Jesus. Oh. Yeah. And the reason that's important is because some of you might be listening and be really concerned at this point. <laughs> um, and, and fair enough. Like I'll, I'll sit down and chat with people about, you know, like podcast and, and the purpose of it and what we're trying to do. And more often than not, people say to me, well, be really careful because you don't want to make people deconstruct. Right. Like, yeah, no kidding. Like, yes, I don't want anyone. the worst yeah. pain ever. Yeah, we don't like, want anyone to go through yeah. that. Are you kidding? So the point isn't for us to make people deconstruct or be disoriented <laughs> because we wouldn't wish that upon anyone because it's hard. Yeah. The thing is, though, most of us can't avoid it. Mm. Like at some point in your life, you are likely to have questions or doubts about your faith. And this could be the result of gradual transitions in life because we mm -hmm. all go through different seasons and transitions in life where we ask different questions about our identity and who totally. we are and who God is. Yep. Or it could be some kind of crisis. And Emma, you kind of named both. that so There yeah. were some gradual transitions of identity and just being young and the formation that comes there yep. plus the mental health and the change of denomination. So you kind uh -huh. of had 
both. Yeah. But whatever the catalyst is, these questions and doubts are often unavoidable and that's 100% okay. Yeah. And so we want you to know that if it happens, you aren't alone. Mm. We have been there too. (laughs) And that having doubts and questions is not the enemy of faith. If you have doubts and questions about your faith, it doesn't mean you've lost your faith. Which is what you might believe because perhaps you've been taught that. Yes. And like if you've been taught that, like I'm really sorry, but doubt is not the enemy of faith. It is not losing your faith. Mm -hmm. It's often the case more like more often than not it's the case that doubts and questions are actually an invitation into deeper faith and to exploring more of who God is and more fully of who God is right it makes for a more robust and dynamic yes. faith and that's right this just seems like it is a way of life like embracing change that comes in life welcoming each stage mm-hmm. as it comes and befriending all these thoughts of doubt and confusion or questions even and so because we know this is just a natural part of life it's a natural part of being human of Mm. living into our own humanity, we can be sure that there would be someone in your world who is navigating questions or doubts right now. So maybe it's someone that you know or maybe it's you. Mm. Maybe you're actually like, heck, I've been suppressing some questions Mm. that I've been thinking about but I've been taught to believe that questioning is Mm. the opposite of faith Mm. and that it means I have little faith. Mm. And so practically, I guess we want to ask the question, what does it look like to either support other people who are Mm. walking through this kind of disorientating, questioning, doubt, wrestling season? Or perhaps what does it look like for you to be able to navigate um, through these seasons yourself? Yeah. I want to start with uh, if you're someone who's a supporter of someone who Mm. has questions, if you've got a friend or if you're working in a church and you happen to have someone in your community who... Um, or even if you're just in a church and you have someone in your community who is asking questions and who's who's wrestling, the first thing I would say is be a good listener. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Don't jump straight to the solution and trying to fix it. Um, be a safe space where people can voice their questions without feeling like you need to give them the easy Christian answers. Mm-hmm. It's so important not to jump straight to solutions. I think part of the um, challenges that often people feel like their questions are not valid and they shouldn't be voiced because it shows that they have a lack of faith or a yeah. weak faith. Yeah. And that's just not the case. And so what does it look like for us to be a safe space for people to ask questions and for us not to freak out when people ask questions? Like mm-hmm. how do we just like calm down a little bit and go, okay, they're on a journey. This is part of the process. How can we be a safe space to journey with them through it? Yep. Yep. And then I would say if you are journeying through this yourself, um, firstly, we know it's hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, you're not <laughs> alone. But here's the tricky thing. And this is the part that Emma didn't like hearing oh. and rejected for a long time. Still rejecting everybody. Still, yeah. still rejecting. <laughs> yeah, still, not, still doesn't feel really comfortable with this. But it's worth saying the goal is not to escape the questions and the doubt or to move really quickly through it. So often we might think doubt and tension and questions are like they feel icky and not having answers is not fun. Mm -hmm. And so the thing would be let's get out of here as quickly as possible. Let's move on from this. Let's get the questions answered. It's actually not the goal. I wish it was. Mm. I wish getting out of this space was the goal. Yeah. But if communion with Christ is the goal, then I think – that our questions and our wrestling is where we're going to find him, Mm. that it's where we're really going to meet him and where we're going to be caught up into his 
saving and healing whole mm. work. Mm. Um, and so I know from personal experience that rushing through these <laughs> things is seriously not the answer. And I have this tendency to want to rush mm. and get to the end and quickly be healed. But it was literally <laughs> like a month ago, I'm lying on Sophie's couch, crying my eyes out, telling her about all these things in which I was really wrestling with and really confused by. She was standing in the kitchen, unpacking the dishwasher. She looks at me and says, clearly not everything that needed to be deconstructed the last time was deconstructed. (laughs) And so, of course, that makes me weep all the more because I'm like, damn, am I seriously back here? But the Mm. thing is, if you're going to rush through um, Mm. these seasons of doubt and wrestling and suppress Mm. things and just like if the goal is to just move forward and move out of it quickly to get to this whole joy and resurrection because that's what Christianity is about, then Mm. I think we're missing the point Mm. um, that if we're going to rush through, we're actually at risk of bringing ourselves back to this same Mm. spot until we learn what we need to learn or until Mm. we unlearn what we Mm. need to unlearn because Christ is going to get at us in this way, you know? Yeah. That's what he's on about. And so he's going to do whatever it takes for us to have a heart that beats like his. And if that means us (laughs) unlearning so many things over Mm. and over again until that happens, then I think Mm. that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. So we know that that's really hard. We know that seasons like this are really difficult and hopefully you're hearing that we have experienced them and know what they're like and, um, I don't resonate with you if that's what you're going through. So if you don't have anyone to talk to about this, you haven't found anyone who's safe, please reach out to us because Mm. we know what it's like. Um, But I just encourage you that if you do have people around you who are safe to start voicing some of these questions because it's the beginning of the journey of unpacking some of these things. So even though we don't want to rush out of it, we do want to start the process of journeying through it. Yeah, so that we can Mm. get a clearer, greater, richer picture of who God is and who we are and how... We can work together in the world. Yeah. But we want to finish today uh, with a quote from one of our uh, favourite humans yeah. in the entire world, Bruce Holm. Shout yes, out. Bruce. Um, he'll be, you know, popping in on the podcast mm. pretty soon, might I say, if yeah. that's just a subtle hint. But here is one of the most beautiful, articulate quotes I've ever heard in my life. No mm. joke. It's gotten me through the past four years and... Uh, in relation to, you know, these spaces of deconstruction and wrestling and doubt and confusion, this is what Bruce says. He says, this is a good space. Get there as often as you can. Stay there as long as you can by whatever means you can. It's the realm where God can best get at us. It's where the old world is able to fall apart and where the new world is being revealed. Mm. And so there is hope that Mm. while an old world and old ways are falling apart, there is a new world that is able to be revealed and it's making its way Mm. um, to be revealed in you and in your life. Mm. And so we want to encourage you again to keep wrestling, to live in the tension, to Mm. learn to live in these spaces that are confusing and might be filled with doubt because Christ is there Mm. and new worlds are being formed. And what a great thing. Yeah. So keep (laughs) trusting Jesus, keep wrestling, keep living in the tension, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. See you later. Bye. Because I tried and tried and I saw you wrestle with every how, every why. I was right there listening. Just fall into the mystery and I'll meet you here in the melody. I want to try again. I don't know how that turned Texan, but that's fine. <laughs>